1: Welcome back into another edition of NFL University, the show where we educate you on all things across the football landscape. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. Before we begin today's show, we do need to ask that you that if you listen to this podcast, you please subscribe, rate, and review everything that we're doing at the SB Nation NFL Show. Uh, we've got shows every day of the week all throughout the football season for you. I also want to take this opportunity to shamelessly plug the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network in a one-on-one sit-down that we had earlier this week with Travis Kelsey, so make sure you are looking for that. Chief Superstar Travis Kelsey sat down with Pete so I mean, you don't want to miss that podcast, but the NFL regular season is underway. There was a lot of bananas things that went on in week one of the NFL season. Uh, the Niners nearly letting the Lions steal a game in the final few minutes. The X-ray vision improved. Jameis Winston annihilating the Packers. Uh, all of us absolutely nailing how bad of an NFL head coach Urban Meyer is. And then we had a bonkers Monday night finale to wrap up week one. We're just happy football is back. So I've got to welcome in Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. As well as Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. Before we dive into the game, fellas. We got to go all the way back to last Thursday. Opening night of the NFL season. Between the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was a fantastic game. But our one Kyle Posey is totally out on the Dallas Cowboys. Have you changed your position after Dak Prescott looked fantastic challenging the Bucks all throughout that game?
2: No, not at all. Everything that happened is exactly what we thought was going to happen, right? Dak balled out. We During last week's show, I said Dak Prescott was a top-five quarterback. Like, that's not going out on the limb at all. We knew he was very good. I was impressed with Kellen Moore, though. I will say that. I didn't know really what to expect from him. I thought he called a great game. It was probably one of the five best offensive coordinators um, just during week one, I will say that. But, no, man, I mean, Mike McCarthy did Mike McCarthy things, and he took – like, there were a few different scenarios where uh, Dallas had an opportunity to put points on the board or do something smart, and that didn't happen. So, no, I imagine everything that's going to happen that we saw during week one is going to be what happens for the rest of the season, and Dallas is going to be Dallas. So, nope, nothing – not budging, not after week one, baby. Still here. Justice, let's hear – What BS you're about to rant about?
3: (laughs) I'm just happy like Kellen was like, hey, this quarterback doesn't have arm strength, and you need production out of him. I know exactly what to do with this guy. (laughs) You could you couldn't have had a better guy than than Kellen Moore. Draw those things up. Um, Dak's arm is still concerning. I mean, let's not pretend that it's not moving forward. Um, I think it. The fact that he could play like peak Drew Brees with limited arm strength um, was nice, but. I mean, you still like to have that arm strike back. I mean, it seemed like it got better in game, um, especially when they got him on the move. Um, But, yeah, I I just don't know. You were talking about, you know, McCarthy's the quarterback. I I don't even know what McCarthy does other than send in the specialist, frankly. And he sent in Greg the leg on a 60-yard field goal after he had already missed a PAT and another field goal. And I was like, oh, my God. We're really gonna do it like this? Like this is this is masochism, man. Yeah, I
1: don't. Greg the leg doesn't have the leg anymore, man. That 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 guy. I, I get that he's injured, but that was a, a terrible decision by Mike McCarthy. I still think the Cowboys are gonna be better than you're giving them credit for. Although the Eagles were really impressive uh, in in their season. No, debut, no, so. the
3: Falcons aren't a real team. No, yeah, I'm not gonna allow that. that.
1: That also might have something to do with it. The Falcons might just be really, really bad. So
2: the first drive.
1: Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll figure that Eagles, out. As, Eagles got the Niners this week. Yeah. It'll be fun. That's going to be a good football game, but we got a ton of stuff uh, to discuss from week one of the NFL season. With our resident Packers expert, Justice, we got to get your opinion. What happened to the Green Bay Packers in week one, getting absolutely blown out by the New Orleans Saints and making Jameis look like a baller off only like 20 passes? I mean, when the defense or when the offense
3: is able to put up consecutive 15 play scoring drives for the first time since 2000, that puts your offense out of a rhythm. Um, That's basically my entire thought on that is their inside run game was so good that they just couldn't get them off the field. By the time the Packers were on like their third drive, they were already concerned about the clock. And that's such a weird position to be in in the nfl but the fact that new orleans was able to just drain the clock hold on to the ball build the lead and then green bay's in a script where they can basically no longer run the ball anymore just everything just spirals in a complimentary way you know so i think that was a weird game i don't expect that to happen moving forward in the future um if they do keep allowing 15 play touchdown drives back to back to start the game that's a massive red flag they might not win another football game this year but i, I don't assume that that's going to happen week to week
2: so one of the questions that we had was joe berry right like what it, what are we going to see from joe berry and in his first game against the saints against the saints without michael thomas they finished 28th in success rate they finished 29th in E-paper play they could not get off the field they could not stop essentially the most basic concepts right it wasn't like new orleans was doing um, running a bunch of trick plays to move the ball. They were just, as you said, doing what they do on offense. So uh, do you, is there a reason to be concerned with Joe Barry? Or is this just a week one, chalk it up, and they're going to be better moving forward?
3: So I don't necessarily think that there's a problem with Joe Barry specifically, right? Again, I don't think that their defensive structure is that different from what Denver does and what Pittsburgh does. And both of those teams have very good defenses. Um what does concern me is that defensive line because they weren't able to get off of a block at all. And I understand, you know, you're paying Kenny Clark a ton of money. Z'Darrius Smith was banged up. He was used as a rotational guy because of his back injury. Um, Rashawn Gary is a bull rusher. He lost contain a couple times. Uh, Clark had an opportunity for a sack and Jameis just ran right past him. Um, Preston is used as a dropper. So like, a lot of a lot of emphasis is going to be put on those like three, four defensive ends, and when it's Tyler Lancaster and Dean Lowry and uh, Kiki Kingsley, I, I don't know if that's enough to get it done, frankly. Um, so I'm more worried about their defensive line once they see good offensive lines that like are actually committed to the inside run game than I am of the defensive structure as a whole, but. I mean, it's September 15th. I don't know how many defensive linemen you can add to the team at this point unless you're trying to make a big trade, but it's not like their assets aren't already close to capped out at this point.
2: But to be fair, the Saints have, like, the best offensive line in the game, and it's probably not really close, and they're going to do that. But
3: their their tackles are better than their interior. That's the other thing, too.
2: Saints? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, they have two of them. Ramchek and Ton Arms are probably top five at their position.
3: Right. That's that's what worries me is it seems like it was like the guard center combo, just knocking them a yard, two yards off the ball, and just you can't do that every play. Every play? No, that can't happen. Every play. So I I don't know. Like they got they might they might need to make a trade or like is quan short still out there like <laughs> go hit up quan short's agent see see what's going on there i don't know
1: so it was a weird football game and we go through this every year with overreactions to the first week of the NFL season where some teams are kind of getting established and getting their footing and obviously if you're a packers fan that is not how you wanted your team to look in week 1 of the NFL season but were we underestimating the saints a little bit in this game, or was it just such a poor performance by the Packers that it made the saints look better than they actually are? Cause I think we had plenty of questions about the saints and how Jameis Winston was going to look and their lack of talented pass catchers. And so for them to go out and do that to the Packers and Jameis, like the, the stats are a little inflated. I mean, he only had 148 passing yards, but he threw for five touchdowns that were kind of like circumstantial instances in some cases but he did look good for the most part and i feel like the saints defense i have question marks about that defense but they looked really good too because they've always had the talent on that side of the ball but it seems like every year they have this battle where they don't want to be a top five unit like they kind of go up and down throughout the season so i maybe it's a product of us underestimating what the saints could do maybe it's just that it was a weird football game, and they had to change sites last minute. Uh, it's, I, I just think that maybe, I don't know, maybe we were overestimating the Packers and underestimating the Saints. I still think they're both good football teams.
2: Yeah, they're both going to make the playoffs, I imagine. I mean, we have to see if if the reined in Jameis remains all throughout the season because there was one throw where you know the first read wasn't there, and the second read he's staring it down. He wants to throw it. Uh, Tampa Bay Jameis might throw it, but instead. He throws out of bounds and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, maybe he did learn something over the last year. But if we see that version of Jameis where he's not forcing the ball, he's not trying to make mistakes and he's cool with taking a check down, uh, then the Saints are going to be very good because he had a few throws where he's throwing the ball on time. He's throwing it in rhythm. And when they can do that outside of the hashes, because Sean, Sean Payton is probably the best play designer, play caller in the game. So there's going to be receivers open, and if, if James can play within the structure without trying to do too much with the running game, with the offensive line, they are going to be tough on offense. What do you think about their defense, Jesse?
3: Their de- again, their defense was in a weird spot because Rodgers had like 20 yards by the time he was down 17 points. So they were they were playing them in two-man a lot. Um, LaFleur and Rodgers both talked about it in post-game uh, presser. I talked to A.J. Dillon about it a little bit yesterday. They, they were expecting – because what they got last year, right, against the Saints was a bunch of zone pressure. Um, so they assumed that they were going to see zone pressure. Here's the difference. They have Devontae Adams now. They didn't have Devontae Adams for that game. So the Saints came out and they played a bunch of two-man. And then by the time the Packers realized, hey, they're playing two-man, uh, they were down 17 points. And then once you're there – what, what how, how do you beat two-man, KP?
2: Uh crossers, rubber outs just you know. Run at, them.
3: run at him, run at him, and they couldn't run at him anymore. So I mean Roger Rogers threw a pick on that crosser where he said he got hit in the nuts twice. I don't know if he actually did. I watched <laughs> I watched the film. I don't know. I don't but know
2: yeah, running makes sense because you can't get everybody in the fit. So yes.
3: Right, but you're you're down you're down 17 0 and there's a minute left in the first half and you have 20 passing yards and you're like, Holy crap, this is out of reach already. You know, that's kind of the situation that they end up in. Defensively, I mean, Ken Crawley was supposed to start opposite of Marshawn Lattimore. He got put on IR on Friday, and then Marshawn Lattimore ended up with a caster in the game. So, I mean, there's there's still points of concern there, but I don't know. They were, they were a better team that day. So that's just kind of what it is at the end of the day. I will say Jameis seems like you talked about that that play where he's looking at a second read and he's like, just thinking about it and you can just tell he's thinking about it it, it, because i think it's the same play that that i'm thinking about it's a a three-man rush and the play lasted for like 10 seconds and javis is just sitting there like oh man i'm gonna do it oh man i'm gonna do it and then he just throws it out of bounds um but between that which is honestly a positive and then the fact that he seems to know how to use his mobility now um seem like big factors i mean he's not running out there like a baby deer anymore so that's always good when when a quarterback actually knows how he can become a threat as a mobile quarterback instead of just like being reactionary and like oh i gotta get out of the way and then
1: i don't have a plan here so moving from one blowout loss to another game that i think should have been a a blowout loss. Uh, Wound up being a win for the San Francisco 49ers over the Detroit Lions. Uh, KP, of course, works for Niners Nation. So I want to get your thoughts on that game. There was obviously a lot of positives for the Niners, but it kind of unfolded in a a crazy way at the end. Jimmy G looked pretty good. Uh, Brandon Ayuk just didn't get any snaps and wasn't involved in the offense because he's in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse. Obviously, the Mostert injury could be big for the Niners, but Elijah Mitchell, rookie running back, came in and looked absolutely fantastic. Uh, What were your takeaways from the Niners' win over the Lions and kind of the way that thing unraveled at the end?
2: So I thought the offensive line was the real reason why, you know, Jimmy G and the game were able to have as much success as they were. They pretty much just owned Detroit. Um, I thought towards the end, they just took their foot off the gas. A lot of those scores were garbage time. Um, An onside kick went off of George Kittle's face mask. They had two possessions back-to-back. And, you know, when the defense just sustained a long drive and they gave a touchdown, uh, you kick an onside kick, and now they have to go back onto the field. So there's another touchdown that they gave up. And then the whole, you know, we have to humanize it. So they see, you know, one of their star cornerbacks, Jason Brett, go down and, you know, cry as he's walking off the field. When that happens, how do you recover from that and go back onto the field and get back to playing football? Like, that's going to be in your mind. So all of that plays into a part. But honestly, they just didn't make plays down the stretch. they had. You know, some when, once Brett goes down, now you put one of your starters who's on the outside and he has to come inside. And now you have two backups on the outside playing. And the, the Detroit Lions took advantage of that. So that's why I, I don't think it's going to be something that sustains just because they're so good up front defensively that they're able to get pressure seemingly every possession. So I I imagine, you know, we'll see the real version of the 49ers against uh, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles because Hurts wants nothing to do with the middle of field. And that's just going to make life easier for the 49ers. Um, But I think offensively, they're so good and they're going to be able to do whatever they want to as far as running the ball, as far as, you know, their play action passes are also very effective. But we saw Debo Samuel look like an actual receiver. So that was fun. That was a nice change of pace. Um, Losing Mostert does suck. It's going to hurt. But Elijah Mitchell, as you saw, um, I mean, he, he runs very fast, just like Raheem Mostert, and he's able to run through arm tackles. So that is going to be a big thing for them. Uh, he did miss a couple cutbacks, I will say. So I, I imagine we'll see more Trey Sermon. And if Trey Sermon is runs how I think he will be, how I think he's capable of, I actually think he'll be the guy to take over Elijah Mitchell down the stretch or just moving forward. So oh, there was a lot to take away from that game, honestly. Uh, and uh, people are people are kind of upset that, you know, we're not really talking about Jimmy G's performance, but, you know, it was to be expected and to be fair, the Lions suck. So like, what were your expectations coming into this game? If he didn't have that type of performance, it wouldn't be concerning. So he just hit open receivers. It was really on Shanahan getting guys wide open. Like a lot of it was just Debo running wide open. And when you get Debo on the move, He's going to run for a lot of yards, and that's exactly what happened. So uh, we'll see if Brandon Ayuk gets his act together and actually starts trying because that's what it sounds like uh, Kyle Shannon's upset with. I don't know if it's a diva thing. I don't know if he acts like he's arrived yet, but um, they're just not getting the type of effort they want to see out of Bayou. Um, And we'll see if that changes. But they, they will need him because he is their best wide receiver. So um, I don't think any of that lasts. I think there's going to be a lot of overreactions to the defense. But I think offensively they'll be able to sustain everything that we saw.
3: Dan Campbell
1: took a kneecap.
2: <laughs>
3: man of his word. Man of his word.
1: Yeah, he did. He did take Raheem Mustard's kneecap, didn't he? I guess. I guess Dan, Dan wasn't lying. He, Dan, Dan is absolutely a man of his word. Uh, you, you did mention it, KP. Like. In a game against the Lions, like we expect that to be a a blowout win for the 49ers because we all assume the 49ers are a much more talented team. So, yeah, Jimmy G should look really good in that game. And their offense looked fantastic, and they had a huge lead. And then just a a bunch of weird stuff happened that that made that game kind of nuts at the end. But overall, I think if you're a 49ers fan, you should be – happy with that performance you know it's it sucks that you lost Raheem Mostert but this team's gonna be really good and really talented and we'll kind of see how things unfold for them throughout the rest of the season uh I still don't I don't think the Lions are like a better football team than I thought they were going into Sunday I think that game was just kind of weird it's a lot of garbage time too I mean once once
3: the game was out of hand I, I don't know how much you put value into that i mean it's almost the flip side of the what we talked about with the packers and new orleans game right where it's like once that thing spirals to a certain point i don't know if any of this is like
2: can be used for projection to the future it was 41 to 17 man like, when yeah. 41 to 17 you're going to take your foot off the gas you're not going to take it as seriously you're going to be on the sideline messing around like that's just what happens yep. like, you're not taking it as seriously so with that in mind that's why we saw the type of success that they saw and to be fair when the Lions were scoring, they were scoring on the twos and the threes by the 49th. The starters weren't on the field. So that has to matter when we're taking into account and talking about these scores. Uh,
1: another absolutely bonkers game that uh, I already touched on for a quick second. The Monday night football matchup between the Baltimore Ravens and the Las Vegas Raiders. That game was kind of garbage out of the gate. Like, it just was not a fun game early on. Uh, The Ravens looked like they were clearly the better team. And then things just started clicking for the Raiders. Gruden started dialing things up. And the Raiders' defensive line, which I kind of had pegged as, like, one of the worst defensive lines in football, was really giving – the Ravens offensive line, some problems late in the game. And then obviously the overtime and everything that happened there. Uh, What were your guys takeaways for these two teams? Obviously the Ravens have the chiefs coming up this week, so they've got a strong chance of starting this season. zero and two early on for Lamar Jackson and company.
2: Raiders plus four. That's all I remember. (laughs) Maybe
3: I got four and a half. I got the hook. Yeah. I was, I was sweating. Um, Just, like, the end-of-game thing, right? So, like, not even all the weird stuff that happened before overtime, but the fact that he tried to send a kicker out on second down in overtime. He couldn't find the damn kicker. They had to take a delay of game because they didn't have any timeouts at that point. Then they had to play football instead of kicking a field goal, and the field goal was still, like, a 40-something yarder. And then, yeah, Derek Carr just, like, has a wide open crosser, just like, Hey, Zay Jones, we haven't, we haven't thrown to him all game. By the way, he's catching bombs for touchdowns. Just a weird ending.
2: Fade away under pressure, wide open cover. Zero. Did you
3: see he looked like he was like giving like the choke sign to like the sideline. I don't know what he was doing, but I was like, settle down, Derek Carr. Like he had like 400 yards. He made like two plays that, I mean, when your tight end gets 19 targets, uh, you can only be chucking the ball deep so much.
2: Maybe if Lamar had an agent, he'd be able to hold on to the ball. Oh, here we go.
3: <laughs> here we go. Yeah <laughs> has the has the NFL figured out Lamar Jackson at the uh, contract t- at the contract negotiation table?
2: <laughs> right, right. No, he. So one of the takeaways, and I know they lost, but every time he touches the ball, it's like, wow, man. When he runs, he makes like elite professional athletes look slow he makes them look like they are not athletic like they can't move and honestly that is amazing to watch every time he carries the ball i know people are mad about you know some of his misses but mark andrews had a key drop late in the game where i think the next play lamar fumbled uh he had a nice dime down the field on that corner route where gus bradley still running cover three without matching any principles like the linebacker Siri still has to take three up what are we doing it's 2021 man he That was – teams were taking advantage of that in, like, 2013 and 14, and he still hasn't adjusted to that. So feel sorry for you, Raiders, because that is going to happen at least twice a game, and one of those will be an explosive play uh, completion. Do we think John Gruden is a good play caller? And the reason I say that, to me, one of the signs of a good play caller is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And Waller had, like, 27 targets – but why would you stop throwing him the ball? Because he's always open. Like, guys can't guard him. Even if they're doubling, he's, he's beating double teams. So uh, kudos to Gruden for – and obviously, you know, you know, you don't want to rely on that every game. But if they can't guard your guy and he's your guy, keep going to him, man. And that's how they're moving the ball.
3: Yeah, I think, I think Gruden and Peyton are the two guys that probably don't get the pub for being, like, offensive uh, architects because they don't have – a identity really if that makes sense like the rams you know they're gonna run boot like uh niners in the floor like it's like play action stuff right so um when you look when you look at peyton and gruden they're more diverse and it changes a lot more game to game so it's a lot harder to like identify why they're good but i do think gruden is probably if, if he's not top five he's close in terms of right. offensive play callers it's just uh John Gruden, the personnel man, uh, gets in the way of John Gruden and the offensive coordinator sometimes.
1: Yeah, I, I've i never really had questions about Gruden as a play caller. I, I think he's good there. And I think we kind of saw that last season in the games against the Chiefs, like the way he called those football games and the way they attacked the Chiefs and like went toe-to-toe with one of the best offensive teams in football – like that was a John Gruden showcase like as much as it was like Derek Carr actually looking like a competent quarterback yeah it's just the personnel stuff like they just they're, they they got to change things up there like they're just not Cl- Claylin Farrell was out. a healthy scratch yeah. yeah he's a
3: fourth overall pick he's a healthy scratch 2 years later that's bad guys that's real bad
2: yeah. and have, like, three targets and they yeah. all
3: came in like the fourth Right. It's like they, they remembered he was on the field in the fourth quarter. So yeah. there were
2: wives, like he wasn't on the field on some of those plays. Like he just comes off the field when they're driving toward the end of the game. What does that say about Mr. Personnel Man?
1: Well, and I, I love, you know, fantasy perspective or whatever while they're getting 19 targets is absolutely insane. But what the hell was that from Brian Edwards? Like Brian Edwards was not involved in that game at all. And then in the fourth quarter, it, Brian Edwards did look like Randy Moss and TO or something. I just he just came out of nowhere and started making all these plays to force overtime for the Raiders. It was insane.
2: Yeah, it was like Gruden pretty much got the offense together. Like, all right, we're gonna throw it to somebody else. And that's when we saw red that's when Fly Edwards, that's when we saw Ruggs. Um, I I wanna know what. Because, just as mentioned, they don't have an identity. Like, who are they going to lean on moving forward? Because if I'm a DC, I'm taking away Waller. I'm doing whatever I can. I might put somebody head up on him just to make sure that he is not getting open. He is not getting down the field. So uh, we'll see what what happens with the Raiders. But um, I don't. I don't. This is another thing. And you could probably say this about most of these games, where I don't know what we really learned anything different from either of these two teams. Because think about with the Ravens, like we we knew that. So, first of all, they didn't have Jimmy Smith, and Jimmy Smith was going to be the guy to guard Darren Waller. And when I saw that he was out, that's one of the reasons why I bet the Raiders, just because I knew they don't have anybody to take him away. So, uh, will the Ravens be able to get healthy? Will they be able to have somebody, somebody for Lamar to trust and throw the ball to? Um, because it it's still I, – and I know Hollywood Brown had it like an okay day. and had a fine day, but I, I don't know that he's the guy.
3: I, w- I went on a – how long are we going to do this Sammy Watkins thing rant? And then Sammy Watkins catches a couple bombs late. I think if, if we learned anything in this game, it was that the Ravens offensive line is a bigger concern um, Mm. than maybe I thought it was, you know, like Villanueva. uh, He didn't have a great year last year, but Villanueva is getting his butt kicked. So if this is just like who he is now, and it wasn't just a down year last season that is definitely a drop down from Orlando Brown, you know, and what they're able to do
1: on the field is going to change because of that. And the Ravens chose to deal Orlando Brown to the Kansas city chiefs who they play this weekend. And- I
3: still don't get that. Cause it was literally like, yeah, he just wants to play left tackle. Cause his dad does. And I was like, I don't know if that's a good enough excuse for me to trade you. <laughs> <laughs> You're a very good football player. I don't know yeah. if I'll play ball
1: yeah it, it just felt like the Ravens thought, you know, with Ronnie Stanley and the way they developed Orlando Brown, like they were kind of feeling themselves like, maybe we can we know what we're doing on the offensive line. We can they figure had, they thing
3: had out. multiple centers last year who could not snap the ball. Multiple, multiple.
1: well, they they decided to roll with it. And yeah, we talked about it uh, last week on this network, on this show that that game seemed like it was a prime upset game just because of all of. The injuries that the Ravens are suffering, and you know, they were dealing with COVID and stuff for a while, so there's a lot of things going on there. I still think the Baltimore Ravens are a really good football team, uh, but I do believe they are going to start the season 0 and 2 when they play the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday night football. But I do, uh, I do want to talk about that Chiefs game for a second. Uh, obviously, I work at Arrowhead Pride, I was locked in the Chiefs game on Sunday, but I do love me some Cleveland Browns. I think that the Browns did establish themselves in my opinion, as like truly the best, the second best team in the AFC. They played a perfect game uh, down the stretch. It was just down the stretch. They started to trip up. And when you make mistakes against the chiefs, uh, Patrick Mahomes is like Brady and Belichick of those years where like you make mistakes towards the end of the game against them. And they're going to make you pay for it every single time. And Patrick Mahomes did that. Uh, But I was still impressed and happy that all of my takes about the Browns going toe to toe with the chiefs, you know, paid off and and, and they really did. So I'm curious, you know, I know you guys know the chiefs are a good football team, but how did you guys feel about the Browns coming out of this game?
2: Well, real quick before that, while you were watching Steve, at any point, did you feel like, Oh, the chiefs are going to lose this game?
1: No, the whole time I was like, Mahomes will turn it on at some
2: point. That is wild because that's everybody. And I imagine Browns fans felt the same way. The Browns were playing about as well as you possibly could. And it still just didn't matter, man. Just because that Mahomes guy, when he drops back, he's going to make something happen. Yeah, I thought that the Browns played really well. I, I love the, the way they use Anthony Schwartz. I think he's going to be a player for them. Um, I I want to know what happens if OBJ ever comes back. I don't know if he's ever going to be a focal point again. But the way that – I mean, Stefanski's a genius. He is so good, man. Um, I still don't know about Baker. I still feel like that would be the one thing to me that would, you know, prevent me from saying that the Browns are going to be this or going to be that. But they were great, man. Like, they did some really good things. It was cool to see Garrett and Clowney opposite of each other. They're going to be really tough up front. I think once Greg Newsom gets a hold of, you know, how to play cornerback in the NFL – They're going to be a really good team. I just think they're probably going to be a top three team. But, again, there's always that Baker thing. Again, we knew knew the Chiefs were going to be good. We knew the Browns were going to be good. And I don't feel like we learned anything new in this game either. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, still Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Tyreek Hill, still Tyreek Hill. Uh, I I did have higher expectations for Spags, and I I really didn't think that that was going to – I don't think he lived up to what I thought he would be in this game. But other than that, a lot of the same, man, where – the good players played well, and they showed out. So what do you think of this one, Justice?
3: Yeah, I'm just happy that we got, like, the proof of concept from the Browns, right? I'm, that That's the big thing for me. Coming out week one, you have a huge team, like, coming in, and you're about to pay a quarterback. So this is kind of your window. You kind of need to all, be all in. So you don't necessarily have to win that game, but you at least have to be in that fight. You know what I mean? So – The fact that they were able to do that was nice. And then Anthony Schwartz, let's talk about him. Let's talk about him. Former junior Olympian, he ran a 4-2 coming out of Auburn. They didn't know how to use him down there, but he flies, man. He flies. Like, if if you're – he's pretty close to that, like, rugs level of, like, well, if someone is going to break out and become, like, the next Tyree, he's definitely not there yet. But in terms of speed, you have to have, like, a different – it's not just this guy's very fast on a football field. It's this guy, literally no defensive back can run you know, toe-to-toe with him. And that, yeah, sure. that's that's kind of where he's at.
1: Yeah, and Kevin Stefanski actually rolled out Odell Beckham already today for their game this weekend. So Odell Beckham's not going to play. So hopefully we get uh, some more Anthony Schwartz because, yeah, I w- I was juiced when he got – that huge gain early in the football game. And then he had a huge third down catch from Baker. It was exciting to see him used early on in the football game as a rookie. Uh he's an exciting, dynamic player. And I, I want to see what that Browns offense can really become with all of the pieces that they have. But yeah, it just the game came down to Baker, and it was like Baker saw Mahomes make that insane throw to Tyreek Hill. And Baker was like, I got to do something like that. He got sacked, fall into the ground, tried to lob up a pass, and it wound up being the game-sealing interception. But the Browns are still going to be a very good football team. They're still going to win a lot of games. I wholeheartedly believe they are the second-best team in the AFC. And I'm glad we got all of that confirmed in week one of the NFL season. They're going to be a really exciting team. To watch all year long. Uh, I do want to take a quick timeout right now, but when we get back, we're going to discuss the Urban Meyer exit countdown uh, when we d- dive into the crash course, as well as our rookie report card.
4: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge
0: I have some exciting news for you, class. Your time starts now. NFL.
3: Crash course? This doesn't happen very often. You're going to enjoy this one.
1: Welcome back into NFL University. I'm Stephen Serta of Arrowhead Pride. I'm joined by Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. as well as Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. Guys, we confirmed that... It seems like Urban Meyer probably doesn't know what he's doing very well in the NFL right now. They got absolutely smashed by the Houston Texans, who we assumed is was the worst team in football. But the Jags looked so bad that they made Tyrod Taylor look like he's, you know, reviving his career. He almost looked like Fitz Magic out there just dropping dimes down the football field. And now the USC job is open. How long before we think Urban Meyer just quits the NFL and goes back to college?
2: I don't think he knew what he was signing up for when he took this job. And I'm, I'm very serious when I say that. Um, did, did you guys see the video that came out when he was asked? Basically, the, the reporter laid it up for him said, hey, I'm giving you this opportunity to refute it, and he wouldn't make any eye contact. He barely spoke up about it and said, yeah, I'm going to be here for oh, all okay. <laughs> Oh. He,
3: he does that sometimes, though. When they announce Trevor Lawrence is a starter, he's staring at his feet because they got beat down at a preseason game, and he's mad about it. I had I had people who were talking, who were sending me uh messages in like the group chat at the game, and were like, "Urban just keeps looking at the scoreboard and then shaking his head." And I'm <laughs> like, "Man, this is this might be really bad. Like, like you said, he might not know what he signed up for. Like, it's just such a different thing." running an NFL organization rather than running a college football organization. And being a head coach isn't just calling plays and stuff. Obviously, he's not doing that shot. He's doing it. But I, I do think we oversimplify, like, what the job of, like, an NFL head coach is. And Urban, year one, it's, it's not looking great. I don't know if he's going to take the USC job, but – he's going to be rumored to every job that opens up. If Harbaugh gets canned, do you think they're going to start talking about Michigan? Like that's what's going to happen.
2: Do we think he makes it to year two?
3: No, I, I think he dips. Honestly, like there's just so many things going wrong. And we, we talked about this with like Dan Campbell, right? Where if you're a culture leadership, bro, you have to get momentum going early on because if that's what you're leading on and you don't have that foundation, you have nothing. You have nothing at that point. So unless they can get a couple wins, like, they have to change the narrative. I mean, he's already not taking press conferences with uh, – or video – or uh, phone conferences with, I think it's the Broncos is who he's going to play this week.
2: I yeah, can't like, remember. You have to do that. Every coach in the NFL does that. At the game. Your job. But yes, your job. part of your job to talk about the other team, man. Get on a conference call. Everybody does it. And, like, what is he – what is he afraid of? What does he think is going to happen? So they were favorite in this game. Why were they favorite? I don't know, but that's besides the point. Favorite on the road, mind road you. road favorites against the Texans, who many of us, I would imagine most of us believe, bottom three team in the NFL. You cannot lose 37 to 21 to the Texans. In no situation should Tyrod Taylor be scoring 37 points in the year of our Lord 2021. It was just maddening. Uh, It's not going to get easier. That's the thing. If you lost like that to the Texans, it's not going to get easier. And then how are players going to react? How are they going to respond to getting their butt kicked to one of the worst teams, especially knowing that the schedule is going to get tougher? And, uh, man, I I don't know. I I See, this
3: this is when maybe you didn't want to alienate your players – by bringing in that strength and conditioning coach and maybe when you didn't want to alienate your players by bringing in tim tebow who clearly wasn't going to make the team like this is how this stuff stacks up and you know there's there's some people in jacksonville who aren't the biggest fans of urban you know so uh yeah we'll we'll see what we'll see what happens man I, i i don't think it's a good sign so far
1: Yeah. And that's the thing is like, you mentioned him scoreboard watching and shaking his head and stuff like that. Like, you know, when he's at Ohio state and he's getting some of the best players in the country and he just knows they're going to be good. Like it takes catastrophic circumstances for Ohio state to lose a game when they're, you know, accumulating as much talent as they have not to say that he can't call a good game in college or whatever, but at the NFL, you're going to lose. Like, it's it's a fact. And so you have to be able to handle that and manage those expectations to keep your players interested in playing for you. And it does not seem like Urban has any idea how to do that. Like, there's a clip circulating this week of Von Miller talking to Teddy Bridgewater saying, like, oh, I love everything you're doing, man. Like, that those speeches and stuff that you're giving us. Like, that's something we haven't had since Peyton. And it's like, Drew Locke sitting in the background like the hell man like 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 really he's he's rapping some cheesy yeah you never said that to me (laughs) bond and that's like like urban meyer is like drew lock in this situation like you have to command the respect of the players like you have to command the respect of those dudes otherwise they're not going to want to play for you and it doesn't seem like anybody in jacksonville is interested in playing for urban right now when people come in with college
3: football success, they think that they are a made man already, right? And the problem is you have to prove it all over again in the NFL, and that becomes the issue. So I guess we'll see how it, how it shakes out, but let's think about this. Urban, where is it, Where is he coaching next year? Let's play that game because I don't think it's USC.
2: No, it's not USC, and I was just looking at the Jags schedule. They get Fangio next week, man. Yeah. Uh, they get Fangio, and then after that, they get Vance Joseph, who people don't think is good. I think it's good. So he might be out of here sooner than later. Okay, where is he coaching? It won't be in the NFL because nobody's ever going to give him another chance. It's going to be college because he has the success there. And, I mean, I imagine he'd still be able to recruit. I don't think it's going to be USC. We've seen, like, Eric the name dropped out there, floated out there. I think it'll be Bill O'Brien at USC. Um,
3: Disgusting. Oh, my God. As my an Oregon fan, football. I'd love it. I'd love it if Bill O'Brien is out there.
2: I'm saying based on how college football works, that makes the most sense that it will be. That's there. disgusting. That's um, putrid. I, don't
1: I know hope it's Eric BM to me personally just because I want to see that dude thrive. But
3: look, look, Here, here. I'll, I'll, pre- I'll present one, K-P. Don't KP. Urban Meyer, the head coach of the Florida State don't Seminoles. It. No shot.
2: <laughs> uh, all right. There are two teams that I will never, ever be able to not root for and it's Florida State and the Atlanta Braves. If Urban Meyer goes to Florida State, I will not watch any Florida. So, first of all, I waste my Saturdays watching Florida State, losing to Jacksonville State, which is lovely. But I don't know why you would hire Urban Meyer. Uh, they already can't do a lot of things, he's, right? He, he's won rings in Florida. What do you mean? Oh, well, he's imagine. done it. Yeah, bring on Percy Harvin. Oh, I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know where he's going to go. I Imagine being an AD. And how do you take him seriously after he just walked out of a job? Um, what let's say it's two months in, three months in? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's he maybe he just takes another couple years off, and people forget about this, and all of a sudden, oh yeah, he was good uh, for Ohio State and for Florida a decade ago. So let's give him another shot. I, I think it's just time to uh, to close close the book on on Old
1: urban. Before we move off of this matchup, so the Houston Texans are atop the AFC South. Are they uh we sleeping on the Texans right now and Tyrod Taylor and David Culley? I don't know. They 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 played better
3: than I thought. I think I kind of underrated a little bit just the fact that every dude seeing the field is a veteran for them. Like just that matters so they all have in game experience. They've all proven at least a little bit. There's no like wild card, oh crap, he shouldn't be out on the field. Type of situation for them I think that's probably going to get them a couple wins More than I thought that they would have Um, But Tennessee We knew that their defense was going through A bunch of turmoil and a bunch of Bodies rotating in and out Um, So them losing a shootout to Arizona Isn't a surprise I'd still put the Titans as the leader But I I Guess the Texans
2: are the second best Team in the AFC South now
3: I mean the Colts are still starting Carson Wentz So like I'm not going to take them
2: um, the Texans schedule. They got the Browns next week when they play the Sam Donalds. Then they have the Bills, the Patriots, the Colts and the Cardinals. And I imagine after that, it's probably a bunch of teams where they will be touchdown dogs against. And I don't know. man. I, it was great. And I think Justice has a fair point to say that there are veterans and they probably hear us talking about them and they don't want to be. Well, it's, it'll be a situation where they, just, they try and they give great effort and you know what to expect. They're going to be prepared So all of those things do matter, but eventually it's about the Jimmys and the Joes, and I don't think they have enough.
1: And before we get out of here today, we are going to do this each and every week on NFL University, where we give a letter grade on our rookie quarterback report card to each of the rookie quarterbacks, uh, the the five rookie quarterbacks that should see some action this season. Uh, I want to start off with Justin Fields, who got a few snaps. Uh, managed to score a touchdown for the Chicago Bears. And for some reason, Andy Dalton is still the starter. So I'm going to give Justin Fields an A just for just for showing in one play why he should be the starter over Andy Dalton.
3: Mad and Nagy, you rat coward. I cannot believe that you're doing this. I cannot believe you're doing this. And the fact that you had some production meeting with Chris Collinsworth to have Chris do a, third, a three hour monologue about why Justin Fields isn't ready to play football. You drafted him like 10th overall. What are we talking about? Everyone's making the comparison, Aaron Rodgers and, and Brett Favre. He had Brett Favre ahead of him. Andy Dalton isn't Brett Favre. I, I don't understand what we're doing here. Um, the biggest issue that I have is it's such so clearly a move motivated by job security you know, you could go to any book right now and you could look up first coach fired odds and the top of the list is going to be Matt Nagy. Matt is- Nagy's contract is up after the 2022 season. Here's why this is important. In the NFL, you don't have lame duck seasons by your head coach. So if the Chicago Bears hit hit um, the offseason after this